0: Good morning. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Good morning, everyone. It's so exciting to be here this morning. I uh, my name is John Novak. I, I serve as a, a part time intern for our New Jersey Campus Ministry. While I'm uh, I'm studying I'm uh, studying physical education. I'm in my last year of school. Thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> but um you know and. It's definitely such an honor to be speaking to you all this morning. I, uh, you know, just because I know many of you have been disciples for much longer than I have, and so it's definitely humbling for me, thinking about it like that. And uh, but this is actually my first ever, like, full Sunday sermon on myself, and so <laughs> thank you, thank you. So hopefully this goes well here, but um, but I'm especially excited because. Actually, both of my parents are here, and, uh, which is super encouraging, and, uh, and so I'm just super excited to dig into this lesson here. And so um, Christmas is just around the corner, right? You know, this is when we celebrate the, the birth of Jesus, and, and this month, as we talk about Jesus coming into the world, I thought that a fitting topic would be to talk about hope. Specifically, the hope that Jesus brought with him when he came into the world. And so the title of my message today is The Power of a Greater Hope. You know, I actually, it's funny, I actually grew up in a town called Hope. And, uh, you know, Hope Township, maybe you've heard of it, but Hope is a very small town. And, uh, and I remember, you know, growing up, since it was such a small school, there was, uh, there was about like 20 kids in my middle school class and uh and so naturally we just weren't very good at sports like that was just that was just it like uh, compared to the larger schools around us um and so instead of calling us hope township the other kids would call us hopeless township (laughs) because it's because nothing good came out of there but (laughs) but i i am excited to talk about hope you know not my town but the biblical hope um because this week as i was studying this out i i I was surprised that just how much of an of an effect that hope could play in our lives and and we don't talk about it too much and so my hope is that by the end of this lesson uh, you could understand the value of being hopeful and the effect that it could have in your life because trust me no one wants to be called hopeless right (laughs) yeah i was i know from experience but And so, well, why do we want to be hopeful, right? A hopeful person is the one who believes that the best is yet to come. They're the ones who believe that one life can make a difference and believe that the world can be changed one person at a time. Hopeful people are the ones who put their faith into action and inspire those around them to look up and push through their challenges. They're the ones who go through life And choose to see the world through the lens of possibility and not problems. Hopeful disciples are the key to making a difference in the world and in the lives of those around you. And when I think about the world, the truth is that there is just so much hopelessness. So many believe that the best days have already happened. And that for the world that there's no way that we could have a favorable outcome. But this is this is what the individual people in the world are are looking for without even knowing. Um, The truth is that what the individual people in the world need is a true sense of hope. This sense of hope is only found in Jesus and Titus 2 verse 13. It says we wait for the blessed hope. The appearing of the of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself to redeem us. Jesus brings a greater hope. One that transcends the values of this world, but rather a hope that is bigger than ourselves. The hope of Jesus is what the world is looking for. You know, following Jesus is the only way to a true hope and following jesus is life to the full now, i want to explore this a little bit more but if you're a disciple what's encouraging is that this is your reality and what's amazing is that there's 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 no such thing as a hopeless disciple it's the same thing as saying a faithless disciple or a loveless disciple they they just don't exist it's a, it's an oxymoron right You know, but as we talk about hope, there are so many things to put our hope in. And this is where I really want to dig deeper into and making sure that we're putting our hope into the right things. There's really two different things that we need to learn to put our hope into. And the first one and our first point is titled Our Present Hope. And, you know, basically this whole point is hoping and, and having confidence that following Jesus is the best way. And so the first thing to have hope in is Jesus. And when I, when I think about all the problems and all the issues in the world, Jesus remains the only answer. He's the one who holds out the hope to save the world. And the, the world and the people in it are looking for hope. Except sometimes I think we could tend to look right past it. And uh, the reality is that Jesus holds out hope for the taking. And once you see it, it becomes undeniable. The first time that, that we see this in the Bible is the first ever invitation to be a disciple. And this is in Mark 1, verses 16 to 18. It says, As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. at once, they left their nets and followed him. You know these were just some average fishermen, right? And you know whenever I'm in Bible studies with different guys, I always ask, why why do you think they were so immediate to to drop their nets and to follow Jesus? And I think there's there's many different reasons. However, I think a large reason is because Jesus had offered them a hope for such a better, more fulfilling, and purposeful life. uh, He offered them a hope that that they could live an adventure and and a life to the full, and they knew it. And Jesus wanted to take their purpose of, of fishing and give them a hope that they could genuinely make a difference in the world. And to them, the hope Jesus offered was worth everything, right? Hence, dropping their nets. He wanted to make them see that the best for them was yet to come. Their life from here didn't get easier by following Jesus, but it got exponentially better. And the same thing remains true today, that there is no greater hope to have than to be following Jesus— And that it's worth dropping everything for. It won't be easy, but it is so much better. You know, confidence in this hope Jesus brings will change your life. And this is our reality, right? We as disciples have confidence that a life of consistently following Jesus is the best way, it is a life that is truly life. And if you continue hoping in Jesus, it will lead you to experiencing even greater things to come. The best is not behind you. You know, to be honest, however, it could be easy to to not see this reality on a a daily basis. And, you know, we have to be very careful that we don't replace Jesus with things that we have in our lives. You know, sometimes it's easy to put our security, to put our hope in things we own because, because it makes us feel secure. Right? And this is important because what you put your hope in is ultimately what you live for. And so what are you putting your hope in? What is it that gives you security? Turn over to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 and 19. Verse 17, it says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth You know, Paul tells Timothy here, command the disciples to, to change, to change where they're putting their hope. And, and it seems like some of the church was beginning to put their security in, in their wealth and uh in, in what they owned, right? Rather than in God, who was providing for everything for them, for their enjoyment. Then in verse 19, we find out what would happen if they were to change what they put their hope in. It says, put your hope in God so that you may take hold of the life that is truly life. When we decide to take our hope out of the things of this world and put it into Jesus, then we will find life that is truly life. Amen. And as a, as a senior in college, you know, among my classmates, there's just so much talk about like future careers, you know, how much, how much money am I going to make? What's, what's the starting salary right and uh, that just kind of seems to be the main thing and and it gets me thinking well maybe i'm not thinking about this enough you know and (laughs) it's true but but to be honest i could also tend to tip the scale and and be really tempted to be like ultimately concerned about this you know maybe i should be focusing more on this actually and um and that's just the reality, right? And, um, and it's also a valid thing to be worried about, and it makes sense. But when it becomes the focus of what we're pursuing, it becomes consuming. And it, it makes sense because if you don't have Jesus, well, what do you put your hope in, right? It, the answer is things that make us feel secure. And if we're not careful, we could put our hope into things that make us feel secure but are so uncertain. You know, sometimes we take security in our jobs, right? Or maybe it's our, our stature or our reputation or your bank account, your family, or, or even your, your children. And when, when these uncertain things come to disappoint, which is inevitable, it leads to disappointment and hopelessness. Proverbs thirteen twelve says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Putting your hope in Jesus's promises and following him is putting your hope in something that will never disappoint you you, you can't go wrong doing this and but if you if you let's just say but, but if I really want to start putting my hope in Jesus right let's just say where do I start right how do I start to do that how do I do this good question Romans 15 verse four. It says, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Paul says here that by looking at the scriptures and the examples set before us, we might be encouraged and might even grow in our hope. There, there are so many stories in the Bible so many parables in the bible that you know and such a diverse range that are so relatable um because the scriptures are are written about people just like you and i right we could we could relate to these people and and seeing how god moved in the past for people like you and i makes me have hope and to believe that he could do it again right and so if you're going through a situation or you're in a position you're finding yourself in a difficult situation. Well maybe there's a story in the Bible or a parable in the Bible that you could actually relate to a lot, and you could kind of discern from guidance, some guidance from. And so study out the scriptures. find some characters that you relate to. And the Bible says that if we want to grow in hope, we've been given examples and stories in the Bible that we could resonate with. You know, maybe you'll find yourself in a position yeah, sorry, I already said that.) Um, but the last kind of subpoint for this first point of our of our present hope is that we could have hope in Jesus because he's patient in our shortcomings. Isaiah forty verse twenty nine to thirty uh, to thirty one isaiah forty twenty nine to thirty one it says, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Isaiah makes this distinction between those who hope in the Lord and those who don't. This passage is really common. I think we all just heard it last Sunday at the children's ministry thing. Uh, but this, this scripture is actually talking about hope and what the difference is. and you know, even young men stumble and fall, right Young men in the Bible or a lot of times they symbolize like vigor and this strength, right But it says you know they they will stumble and fall. they they won't be able to rise again. But the distinction is but but those who hope in the Lord. Will renew their strength, and that those who have hope will be able to persevere. Jesus allows us to get up after we fall. We can have hope in Jesus because we trust that He could pick us up when we're weak, and that He will forgive us. This is encouraging because this allows us to know that when we fall, we don't have to be weighed down by this guilt, right? Because we we have hope that we could rise again. Right. Proverbs 24, verse 16, it says, for though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again, but the wicked stumble when calamity strikes. Hope is what gives the righteous person a reason to get up and to keep going. Hope is the greatest motivator to rise again. But this is what we have in hoping in Jesus. Right. This is it's it's not over after we drop the ball. And so, basically, to kind of close out this first point here, basically, this whole point is generally about having how confidence that following Jesus is the greatest way to live. And the second point is about how this confidence will change your life. And so, our second point is titled Our Future Hope. And the second thing, kind of from the beginning, the second thing that we need to have our hope in is in heaven. And the truth is that having your hope in heaven should change the way you live in the here and now. Colossians 1, verses 3 to 5. This is a gem. We it says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all God's people. The faith and love that spring up from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel. And so Paul begins this letter to the church in Colossae with, with some encouragement, right? He says he begins commending them in their faith in God and their love for each other. But then he doesn't stop there, right? Then he begins to explain where this faith and love comes from. He says that their faith in God and love for each other came from the hope that they had stored up for them in heaven. It was the hope that had caused them to be faithful and loving in their current lives. Their hope changed the way that they lived. But here we find something very important is that hope is the source of faith and love. And so if you want to grow in your love, if you want to grow in your faith, that means you have to grow in your hope in heaven. This, this, this hope that we have in heaven should make us more loving, should make us generous people. And, and hope in heaven should be a present reality having an effect on the way we live today. And so to kind of emphasize this, hope comes from our inheritance in heaven hope stored up for you in heaven, right? It means that if your inheritance is in heaven, you own it, right? You already own this and your hope comes from that reality. And so, for example, if, you know, I'm sure many of you have become your your Christmas shopping, right? Your online Christmas shopping. And if you haven't, maybe this is your reminder. to start doing that before it gets too late. But, uh, but those items that you ordered after you paid for it, you, you, you own it right you you already have ownership of this package that you ordered online right you don't have it yet physically but you own it it's it's stored up for you somewhere else right it's stored up for you in some storage room somewhere and then hopefully it comes to your house but um and now it's just waiting to be delivered to you um but when it comes to heaven right your flight is booked your your ticket is stamped you're just, <laughs> you're waiting for that reality. And, you know, you, you already own it, which is encouraging. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 to 5. It says, Praise be to the God and a Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In this great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Peter tells us that our inheritance is stored for us in heaven. That means it's safe and secure. And it will be there. It will be there when we need it, right? Therefore, we could we should walk securely in the here and now because what we have in store for us in the here thereafter, in the hereafter. In other words, our inheritance in heaven should allow us to walk with confidence today. And, you know, Steve Kennard gives a great illustration in his book, uh, Jesus Unequaled. He says, if somebody told you, listen, I've been watching you from a distance and I and I want you to know that I decided to do something today to help you out. What's that? You ask. He says, I deposited 100000 dollars in your checking account this morning. Amen. Right. It, it, it's it's already cleared the bank and you you could use it however you wish. You know, and he says, You're welcome, and then they walk away. And um now that didn't just happen so don't get too excited here but um but that that bit of news would probably put a step you know put a a pep in your step right you'd you'd be come on right but you know i look at that analogy and it's so true right for me i I, no more campus food i'm going outback steakhouse tonight i'm done with that (laughs) but you know or um I'd probably be more generous. You know, I probably wouldn't get so down if something small bad happened to me today, right? But if you knew that there was $100,000 in your bank account, it would probably change the way you live your life today. But here's the point, that if we truly believe in the reality of heaven, then it will impact how we live our lives in the here and now. But, this reality of heaven could only be so if we have confidence and clarity that this is what's to come right and uh you know for most of my life when i was when i was a lot younger spiritually it was always a question mark if i, I was going to heaven or not i never had this clarity and you know i would think you know i'm i hope i'm i hope i'm going to heaven you know and i think so maybe but but when I really started to study the Bible, and I, I found that, I found this clarity and confidence I needed. When I looked at the scriptures for myself, I found this clarity that I needed. And after I gained this se- security, the world kind of opened up for me, and I was able to move on to maturity. Security in heaven leads to maturity. But here's the point, right? It shouldn't be... I hope I'm going to heaven. Rather, it should be, I'm going to heaven, therefore I have hope. But this type of uncertain hope is not biblical hope. The hope that comes from heaven is the biblical hope. The hope that is certain and is stable. You could rely and build on this hope. And, you know, we should be sensitive every day to this reality of heaven. You know, imagine how it would change your life to go forward every day remembering that you got the ticket to heaven right in your back pocket. Like that would that would inspire you. That would encourage you. But to make this a reality for everyday life, we need to be grounded in the Bible. The Bible is what grounds us to the realities of heaven. And so reading reading the Bible connects the reality of heaven to your life. Right. Reading through the Gospels and hearing about Jesus speaking about heaven will make this reality pop for you. And so. To kind of close out, I wanted to share a story of hope. But, you know, at the at the start of this semester, I, I, uh, I had met someone on campus and we began to do Bible studies together. And his story is super inspiring. and I saw how hope in Jesus changed his life. And I, I talked to him before this, and and I wanted to get some of his thoughts and, and to share kind of some of his story, um, which is hopefully inspiring and encouraging to you. But you know, he had he had grown up going to to church, but ended up living this lifestyle that kind of lacked this meaning. And led to him feeling this sense of hopelessness and for his future and this hopelessness that he was feeling led him to to be you know driving recklessly and and even led him to a place where he never thought he would end up and uh, you know he said that he he would feel alone and didn't have a vision for the future but eventually this something clicked right eventually this led him to pray and and to ask God. Um. To meet people who would help him with his relationship with God, and so. As as high school was about to uh, close out, as uh, as it was about to end, uh, he mentioned that there was just a glimmer of hope that uh, uh, that he was headed into college. That that maybe this would be his time. And. During his first week of college at Montclair, I happened to walk up to him. <laughs> I was like, "Hey, hey, bro, <laughs> you want to study the Bible?" And he's, uh, he's like, "Yeah." And um, and so yeah, so emotional. <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah," but um, so for the past like two months or so. Me and some, some other friends on campus have been meeting up with them together and doing Bible studies and, and just doing life together. And, um, and so, you know, guys like A.B. and uh, Matt Rupert all came into this, these Bible studies. And, and uh, during these studies, I saw him transform into a man of God with deep conviction and someone who has inspiring ambition for God's kingdom. But his name is Eric Kubas, and he's actually here with us today. And just yesterday, Eric was baptized into Christ. Amen. But you want to stand up, Eric? <laughs> you know, hope... ...is what made him hold on. That there was, there was something out there. There was an answer to what he was looking for. Jesus came through. And now Eric has found the true hope that comes from heaven... ...and can now go forward with his life in security. You know, Eric found his inheritance in heaven... ...and can now run forward with boldness and confidence... And now that Eric, and I know that Eric is going to do amazing things for God's kingdom. But I want you to, to remember when you first became a Christian and, and how you had your hope in heaven. Try to regain this freshness, this reality of heaven, and let it compel you. Um, you know, the hope that we have in Jesus is real. It will change your life, and it will keep on changing your life. It will drive you to persevere through what you're going through. Let your hope in Jesus and in heaven drive you to feel secure and confident and take hold of the life that is truly life. But it was great to be here today. Uh, Thank you so much for having me, and uh, I hope this message inspired you to be hopeful and believe that the best is yet to come. Thank you.